Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike. Check one, two. With Lee Lonsberry. From Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, taxes, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back. We're into the final hour of today's episode. Uh, final hour of the week, huh? We're going to take a break for a couple days. I'll be back on Monday. 1230. You and I will hang out here for another uh, few hours or so. And uh, I got to remind you, and it breaks my heart to, to do so, uh, just another two weeks or so before I uh, say goodbye here at KSL News Radio. My final broadcast will be April 2nd. Uh, I made this announcement uh, about a week ago, and uh, I just want to pepper in these reminders from time to time to uh, let you know and remind you that our, our time here is uh, limited and precious. Going to try to do uh, the best radio we can over the next few weeks <clears throat> before uh, I say goodbye to you. Uh, at least on the on the air, you, you can find me elsewhere, of course. Uh, but uh, but it's going to do it on April second. I'll, I'll say goodbye, and I'm going to head back east, uh, taking a job uh, in the United States Senate. And I'll be working as an aide to uh, Senator Mike Lee, and, uh, and and that'll be that. Uh, and so uh, over these next two weeks. We're going to have a lot of fun together. We're going to try to do a lot of good. Uh, I'll remind you, in, in terms of doing good, there is an opportunity for you to help out some of Utah's hungry. That's coming up uh, tomorrow. Here's what you have to do. It is a statewide Feed Utah food drive. It's being conducted in conjunction uh, with the Utah Food Bank, along with uh, support from Governor Spencer Cox, uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and Associated Food Stores and KSL News Radio. Here's how it works. You need to, uh, by tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., have a plastic bag uh, full of perishable foods. I guess it could be a paper bag, any kind of bag, uh, full of non-perishable foods, outside your front door by 9 a.m. tomorrow. That's Saturday. That's the 20th. You have it out there by 9 a.m. If it's non-perishable, if it's packaged up in a bag, it will be picked up by volunteers. That food will then be distributed to the Utah Food Bank and various partner agencies across the state. And those donations ultimately will go to get food in the bellies of the near half million. It's 511,000, over half a million Utahns who are facing hunger, uh, many of whom for the first time facing this hunger due to the economic fallout uh, resulting from the pandemic. Last note on that, that number, that 511,000 number, it includes Utah children. Nearly one in five Utah kids don't always have enough to eat. You can help that again very quickly, 9 a.m. Before 9 a.m., have that 
non-perishable food packaged up in a bag on your front door. It'll be picked up by volunteers and get into the bellies of those who need it. So uh, that's that. Now, it's uh, just after 2 o'clock means that it's time for the top two at 2. We've got a few minutes here before the break. Uh, the top story of the day has to be this uh, announcement, this incredible announcement from the CDC uh, altering the guidelines which have for now an entire calendar year dictated how school is uh, conducted. Up until now, the guidance has been uh, for students to be separated by at least six feet of space, six feet between desks. And now, if you know anything about math and, uh, and school classroom sizes and all that, you know that trying to create or trying to bring together a whole classroom full of students and keep them separated by six feet is uh, pretty near impossible, right? Classrooms aren't that big. And uh, in large part, that uh, is a big reason why schools across this country uh, have been doing so much remote or hybrid learning. Well, uh, there was a study here conducted in the state of Utah between December and January of this year. And what it did was it looked at across 20 schools here in the state of Utah, elementary schools. It studied the transmission rate of uh, COVID-19, specifically in classrooms where the distance between desks was on average only three feet. And you know what ultimately was found? That in-school transmission of the virus was below 1%. They had a complicated, in-depth study and ultimately found that it's pretty much safe. It's safe for schools to position desks uh, about three feet apart. What else did it find? It found that those, uh, those plastic dividers which have been on, uh, on tables and on desks and on teachers' desks up front uh, really don't have much of an impact, which, which is interesting because I think to myself about other instances in life when I have encountered barriers like that, like at the buffet line. I wonder, you you go to uh, I don't know wherever the choice is yours. Uh, you <laughs> the the screen in front of you is that doing much to to keep you safe? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know buffet lines and uh, and COVID in school. I don't know if it's the same thing, but anyway, I, I digress. Turns out the the barriers uh, not that effective in mitigating the spread because well the spread's already pretty low and uh, secondarily you got to partner you got to partner that spacing that three feet of spacing with uh, uh, you got to dial down the extracurriculars a little bit and um, and see what you can do about adjusting the schedule so that there is less movement within the school now those were the those were the circumstances that were present in the study conducted right here in Utah that ultimately led, uh, in part, the CDC to making these adjusted recommendations. Three feet instead of six feet. That's a big deal. It might seem like it might not seem like much, but uh, two things. Allowing the students to be closer together and knowing that that now more near proximity will not lead to dangerous spread of this virus means that more schools can get back to full-time education. Five days a week in the classroom, right? That's how it was and that's how it should be. Right now, only 18% of schools across this great country are in a five-day-a-week circumstance. The rest are either remote only, 
uh, or have some sort of hybrid where uh, students report to the classroom for a portion of the week and stay home for the rest. Uh, there's a lot of that here in Utah. Um, I, I know that we're, we're being pretty aggressive about getting students back in the classroom. Uh, there's an even larger effort nationwide. Luckily, Utah's experience is helping shape the policy that will allow students or encourage students to get back into the classroom uh, all the quicker. All the quicker. And that's a good thing. Uh, second top story of the day, an interesting one, uh, and it is uh, really just a, a reminder that uh, that it's important when big things in life happen, or big things in the news, big things in the world, when, when major developments transpire and humanity is bettered, that we should find out who's responsible and we should uh, seek to emulate their behavior. Uh, in the vaccine in the vaccine development world, uh, we haven't known many names. We haven't been able to put many faces to these developments. Uh, well, I, I think we ought to remedy that. Uh, Aslam Terechi is the, the co-founder of the company BioNTech, which partnered with Pfizer to uh, roll out the first FDA-approved COVID-19 vaccine. It was thanks to work that she had done over decades, and it was her work that when put up against this nasty disease, has been the first in the world to uh, demonstrate effectiveness. Uh, She is, in my humble opinion, and if I'm honest, it's not so humble, it is, in my opinion, uh, she, uh, the Jonas Salk of this era. Uh, Learn her name. uh, Google her tonight when you're sitting around with your family around the kitchen table and, uh, and look at her accomplishments, look at the way she has lived her life, and know uh, that thanks to her, that that light at the end of the tunnel of this COVID nightmare uh, is getting ever more close. Aslam Terechi. Quick break. When we return, we're going to be speaking with uh, former Congressman Ben McAdams. Why? Well, because one year ago today, he checked himself into the hospital suffering from COVID. How has this year gone for him? Has he, is he one of those long haulers? Has he been able to shake all the symptoms? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.